Hey friends, Tom Johnston. Welcome back to the Way of the Master podcast. We're at episode seven. And today I want to continue our discussion that we started last time when we talked about uh, uh, using Jesus as rabbinic process to uh, pastor our churches, uh, to make disciples. And I want to talk about focusing on the few. As I've mentioned in the past, you know, Jesus had 84 disciples. And you kind of see this as his core cadre of people. We know he had 12 that he called out as apostles, but the overall group is 84. And again, we see this in, in Luke 9, where he sends out the 12, and then Luke 10, when he sends out 72 others. And so uh, the whole thing here is that, you know, Jesus could have had an army. He could have had literally thousands and thousands of people who were willing at any point in the journey, apparently, uh, with him over the three and a half years, and certainly more towards the end when he revealed himself more openly. But he could have had thousands of people uh, form an army and overthrow the Romans. But really what his focus was, was on a small group of people. 84 people, to be precise. And of course, there's a few more than that. Uh, those were probably the guys in the group, and uh, they might have had uh, wives or children. Most of them were probably younger. And so maybe there weren't too many others that were part of that community. Of course, we know on the day of Pentecost in the upper room, there's 120. And so, but Jesus spends most of his time with 84 people. And of the 84, he spends even more time with the 12 that he called out by prayer to be apostles. And then even within that group, there was a three, a Peter, James, and John. And they seem to be kind of the senior students of his Midrash community, his learning community that he had called to himself. And we really see an intentional focus on these people, the three, the 12, and the 72 other disciples. And it's really important for us to understand this because this really speaks to uh, the practice of how Jesus did discipleship, the practice of how Jesus saw uh, the, the pathway to raising up leaders for his kingdom mission. Now today, in our day, we have been trained and taught that bigger is better. That, of course, we want more people to come to know Jesus. Of course, we want more people to be disciples. And, of course, we want to see greater and greater impact for the kingdom of God. All true. However, the way that we have been taught to process that is get more people together in a bigger group and use that as your fishing pool that that's who you're fishing out of. And, uh, you know, Jesus did that with the crowds. Uh, he did that uh, in his large venues where people were observing him. He's teaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching uh, people in the wilderness, on the, on, the, on, the, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. There's people, 5,000, 4,000 people following him into the wilderness. But he did not spend most of his time 
investing in the crowds. Rather, he focused on the few. He focused on those people who were responding to his teaching, who were responding to him personally, who were catching a vision for the kingdom of God, as imperfect as it was, he was focusing on them. And many times, because of the society we live in, and even the church culture we live in, we are made to feel like failures because we don't have the 4,000 or the 5,000. I mean, hey, we may not even have the 72. But, uh, you know, the Lord really focused on those who were responding to him. Regrettably, in our cultural uh, framework for the church that we have today in the West, we really have bought into the bigger is better mindset. And, and I want more people to come to Jesus. I want churches to be exploding. I want church, churches to be growing. I want revival to be happening. But in all that, we have to make sure that we're making disciples. And uh, it's really about focusing on the few to see that kind of exponential growth and impact take place. So in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, 120 people, the Holy Spirit pours out on them. They start to minister uh, and share the gospel. Uh, they're driven out into the street, into the marketplace where people were. And by their ministry, another 3,000 people are immediately added to the church. So let me tell you, Jesus's plan worked. He focused on the few. He went small. And then by the work of the Holy Spirit through the few, there was immediate multiplication. And you see this all the way through the book of Acts, that wherever they go, they're investing in a few people that all of a sudden, boom, goes large by the Holy Spirit because of the work of the Spirit in and through the few. And so, Again, part of our cultural mandate for us as pastors and leaders is we kind of have to be available to everybody. We kind of have to, to give everybody the same thing. Uh, we can't show favoritism. Uh, we can't have those people that we, we pay more attention to than others. There's this kind of this American view of fairness that really we don't see in Jesus's ministry. In fact, he puts it out there. When, when people want to follow him, he lays it down. He calls them to count the cost. Uh, the rich young ruler, he wants to follow Jesus. But you know what? Jesus lays it down and said, hey, this is what it's going to look like. The guy goes away dejected. He goes away sad. Other people want to follow Jesus. And they're like, hey, first I got to go take care of my father. I got to get the estate all set. Uh, you know, and Jesus is like, hey, let the dead bury the dead. Other people are like, let me go say goodbye to my parents. And of course, in that day, the rabbis uh, would teach that you, you had to hate your family, you had to love the rabbi more. And that's, Jesus calls that out. He goes like, if you, if you don't love me and hate your family, of course, he's using hyperbole there. He didn't want us to hate people. He wanted to us to understand the need to place him first, even before our family. So there's people that want to do the whole family thing. Let me go take care of my family, and then I'll be along with you, Jesus. Like, yeah, you know what? That's not how it works. You need to respond now. You need to step up now. And so what I'd like to suggest to you today is that 
what I see in Jesus' model is this, that he focused on the people that were responding to the kingdom message. They were responding to the vision for the kingdom of God. And even though they had it imperfectly, they were responding to what he said. There was a response where they were able to, they were willing to pay the price for what it was going to take to follow Jesus. In fact, at one point, you know, Peter kind of laments, Lord, you know, we've left everything to follow you. What about us? What, what can we have? And Jesus says, look, guys, I'm going to take care of you in this life and in eternity, in the next life. But, you know, uh, you've, you've paid the price and, and I see it and I get it. And, and really, what he did is he called out the people that the Holy Spirit was showing him were ready to run, that they were ready to go. They were ready to go that next mile with him. They were ready to invest in the kingdom endeavor. And so what I'm going to tell you now is going to sound kind of counterintuitive. But Jesus played favorites. Let it settle in. Jesus chose some people over others to invest in. He wasn't trying to be fair. He was trying to see what the Father was doing in and through someone's life and join the Father in that work. And so while we want to be uh, available to everybody uh, who needs us, we can't possibly touch all the lives that God wants to impact. However, we can develop leaders who can. We can develop partners in ministry, and we can release and empower them to go forward. And, and so Jesus didn't pick the guys he picked to be the three, the 12, the 72, because he liked them better. It wasn't a personal preference. What it was, was a realization of God's work in a person in preparing them to respond to the kingdom. And so he saw what the Father was doing, and he did likewise. So what he did is he called out those people. And again, some people rejected it. Some people didn't go there. And hey, he even had a Judas, right? So we, you know, we know the story. He knew that was going to happen. Uh, but he still called them all out and gave them an opportunity to respond. So Jesus also said that many are called, but few are chosen. So there has to be a response to the call to be chosen. In the book of Revelation, it says that Jesus will be together with his called, his, his chosen, called, and faithful ones. So not only do we have to be, be chosen by him and called by him and we have to remain faithful to him. So we are looking for people to lead in discipleship who really want to go there, who really want to take the journey into the kingdom with Jesus. And so because of that, we actually can hurt people by trying to get people to go places when they're not ready to go there. And so we really have to trust the Holy Spirit's discernment and guidance to show us who we should be focusing on at any particular given time. So again, Jesus didn't pick the people because um, he liked them better. He picked them because they responded to the call. 
So he chose them because of their Shema Lavat, their hearing heart. And, you know, in fact, he even says this in Matthew 13. Hey, guys, you know, I'm, I'm telling the crowds about the kingdoms, the kingdom of God, but I'm explaining those parables to you so that you understand it. So he told the crowds about the kingdom to see whose heart was pinged by those parables. And then those who did respond to him, he took aside and gave more instruction. He explained those things to him. And so we're looking for people that we're getting a, a Holy Spirit ping off of. That when we speak, when we teach, when we engage our, our congregations, our communities, that we are looking for those who are responding authentically to the, to the tug of the Holy Spirit in their heart. Now, this can get a little touchy sometimes because there's some people who, again, are under the paradigm where you're supposed to treat everybody equal and you can't because people are not the same. And equal isn't just equal isn't fair. You have to treat people where they're at. But all you can do as a human being, even though you are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, is you can put the call out there and people have to respond. We don't chase disciples. I know, I know. You're going to say, well, Jesus, you know, told the story about leaving the 99 for the one. And he was talking about God, how God will, will make sure that the people who are going astray uh, are sought out by the hound of heaven, the Holy Spirit. And, and we, too, do go after people sometimes that the Lord shows us to reach out to. I have done that on several occasions where I have sought someone out in response to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and they then have responded to the call of God. But by and large, we have to put the message out there, look for the opportunities in relationship to share the vision of the kingdom, and see who responds. And it's those people that we can work with. So the people that we're looking for are responding to the kingdom message. They're looking to try to understand what it means. They're trying to the best of their knowledge and ability where they're at to, to grow in, in the embrace of the kingdom lifestyle. You know, as a disciple, there's someone who's, who's growing in their devotion to Christ, growing in their devotion to other people, the body. Uh, they're growing in their devotion to Jesus's mission. And they're starting to embrace a life in community with other disciples. And so when you start to see that happen, there is now potential for those people to be raised up in leadership to be players in the kingdom of God. Now, everybody's got an on-ramp, everybody's got a runway, and for some people, it's longer than others. And quite honestly for me, uh, that can be extremely frustrating sometimes. In fact, I'm really good when someone's coming to Christ and growing, and then I'm really good when they're ready to step up and kind of be developed into leadership. Uh, the in-between part I'm not so great at. By the grace of God, I lead in community with other uh, pastoral folks, and they've got the grace for that. So what we are looking for is those people who are ready to go to the next place. And so we invite them intentionally into a process of walking together. Now, first, honestly, it might be unintentional 
or it might have a low-level intensity intensity to it to where you're inviting them to participate in some learning or some relationship or some growing, and uh, and they respond to it and they take you up on it. And but as he, as they go as it develops, we need to be increasing our invitation to them. So listen, everybody grows through challenge. And so if you invite someone to have a cup of coffee and they say yes and they start relationship with you, that yes is a step forward in their spiritual journey. If you invite someone into some kind of developmental uh, uh, environment or some kind of developmental relationship and they say yes to that, they've taken a step forward. So it's the people that you're looking uh, that, that are taking the steps forward uh, to embrace the vision of the kingdom, embrace the kingdom lifestyle, embrace the teaching that you're bringing around the kingdom, and they're actually putting the stuff into practice in their life. Um, you know, and, and I also think you're looking for the people who are willing to serve, that they're not there with an agenda. Uh, I mean, obviously, a disciple's at an agenda, right? But they're, they're not looking for position, title, status, because we know leadership is not that. Leadership is service. It's a place of responsibility. Uh, it's a place of stewardship for the kingdom enterprise. And so with that, we're looking for people who are willing to step up, who have passion, they're hungry spiritually, and yet they're maintaining their humility. We're looking for people who have the potential to influence others through the way of life that they're embracing. And so with that, you know, that's true for all disciples, but it's essentially true for those that we want to focus on to develop as leaders. When we do that and people are able to embrace the kingdom lifestyle, they're able to embrace the way of Jesus that you're teaching them, that they're engaging in relationship with you and other disciples that are on the way. When you are doing that, then what happens is they are showing that they themselves are ready to take the next step forward into the bigger world of kingdom leadership. And so, you know, you really need to focus on the few who are responding to what you're saying and who are willing to step forward in the kingdom and take responsibility for the mission of God, take responsibility for the people of God, take responsibility for the functioning of ministry. So it's, it's not about just somebody who wants to be something. It's not somebody about who desires a position, but it's about someone who's really gained a foothold in the vision of the kingdom of God that you have expressed and that you are calling them upward in. It's in that when the Holy Spirit tweaks their hearts and you see that thing happen, like I said, that ping in the Holy Spirit, it resonates in your spirit uh, you see them acting out consistently, growing, moving forward in the things of God, starting to line up with biblical lifestyle that is, is seminal to the kingdom. When you see that, now you have found some of your few. And then what you do is you give as much time as you possibly can to those people who are your existing leaders, and your future leaders. You want to focus on the few. Now, we are taught to focus on the crowd. We are taught 
to organize ourselves around the big event, usually on a Sunday. Now, COVID has kind of blown that up for us, hasn't it? That we've had to relearn how to do ministry. And what I would suggest to you is that it was just a God-used opportunity, a Gamzula Tova, this too is for the good, to show us where our focus needs to be. So I want to encourage you to start praying, asking God, Lord, show me who are the few you want me to focus on. Now, you're not going to neglect everybody else. You're still going to love them, still going to serve them. But the investment of time, talent, and treasure from yourself and your, your church, your local kingdom community, you are going to invest in those people who want to go somewhere. And you know what? It might provoke others to some holy jealousy. Uh, while it may be in their flesh, it may provoke them enough to try to move forward in the things of the Spirit. Uh, sometimes the Lord uh, gets our attention that way, and of course, He always starts us in our flesh to end us in His Spirit. And so, allow that to happen. You know, maybe you're a small group leader, and you're wondering, oh man, like, I only got eight people in my small group. Great! You got eight people. You got four people. Whatever it is, invest in the few, and look for the opportunity to include more in your circle of influence. Figure out how to reach out relationally to other people who are responding to you and responding to the vision that, that Jesus is putting out there. Now, be careful. There's a lot of people that just want to kind of hang out with you. They want to be near you. Uh, they want to have your time. And they're really not interested in, the, in, in moving forward. They just really want to be comforted and cared for and loved on. But honestly, it's really all about them. What you need to do is focus on those who are giving it up for Jesus and are willing to move forward with the process and the way that you have laid out for your local community to engage in discipleship and leader development. So remember, your leaders have to be disciples before they can be disciple makers. So uh, really make sure that people are embracing spiritual disciplines, embracing the rule of life you may have with your church, embracing the practices of how you guys gather and how you guys do what you do. But really look to see who is responding to what you're putting out there and focus on those people. And you know, uh, as I say it, leave the other folks in orbit. Every once in a while, they're going to come and make a near pass and might come in to land. Uh, and then you can start working with them too. So don't break off relationship. Don't shun people. But give your time, your talent, and your treasure to those who are responding to what you're already putting on the table for Jesus. So my friends, this week, pray, ask the Lord, and then focus on the few. God bless.